Good morning. I thought those were especially beautiful songs this morning. That last song, I was just thinking as I was singing, and you make those words your own, but you realize you're singing the words that someone spun out of their own devotion, faith, and heart. And that's a beautiful thing to actually kind of across time share in the expression of a person's faith and heart that, as in this case, I, I know was expressed many years ago, and yet it's so fresh and real to us this morning. Before I read, as we continue in our series, my favorite Proverbs, we're in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. And before I read Proverbs 13, verse 12, I must tell you that late in the week, Wednesday afternoon, Thursday, with all that's happening in our world, I felt you would think me stupid for choosing this verse, this proverb. Like, maybe we should have chosen a better proverb. Because this is a proverb that has nothing to say of particular interest to our nation. It has nothing of particular interest to say to our church as a whole. In fact, it's not speaking to a group. It's not speaking to a party affiliation. It's not speaking to a team or a voting block. This proverb has nothing important to say to those of us who are most interested in school protocols, vax mandates, or anti-vax freedoms, whether to mask or not to mask. It completely ignores the issue of socialism, patriotism, racism, and the right to bear arms. This proverb has no light whatsoever to shed on the last election or the next election. Who's running or should be running the country? It has nothing to say about our state recall election. Nothing about climate change. Nothing about science or anti-science. Nothing about fake news. Nothing about the end times. About the mark of the beast. About the antichrist or the imminent return of Christ our Lord. So you can see how I felt. I mean, what can I say to you that matters or that will hold your attention? This proverb, if it has anything to say, will not be heard, nor will it matter unless you, and I mean this, gentle listener, 
should give it a home and take it to heart. I chose this proverb weeks ago because it changed the course of my life. Maybe it will have that power in your life. Let me read to us Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Now some think this proverb is little more than a description of our human behavior. For example, some would say the gist of this proverb is something like this. People are happy when they get what they want and sad when they don't. So this is a flowerful, colorful, poetic way of saying, you know, when I get what I want, it makes me happy, and boy, am I sad when I don't get what I want. But I look at this and I see the stakes are much higher. For example, if you notice this wording of this proverb, the heart is involved. Does your heart matter? My heart matters. In fact, when we use the word heart, we're in effect saying this matters. If the heart is involved, we're all in. A second thing I think we should notice that suggests to me the stakes here are much higher. Hope is involved. Longing. Longing is involved. What you long for? Don't tell me that isn't important. It may be unimportant to others. You may be even a little shy about sharing with others what you long for because you're afraid that they won't appreciate it and count it important as we do. Longing is important. The heart is important. And then this third thing, really, this says it all to me. A tree of life is involved. A tree of life. Is that nothing? The opening of the Bible has a tree of life in it, in the garden. It's not a tree of death. It's a tree of life. Maybe life is cheap to us these days. Maybe we throw the word around. But I want to suggest to you that when the word heart, the word hope or longing, and the words tree of life are involved, this is more than, hey, this is the way it is. People are happy when they get what they want and they're sad when they don't. 
There's more here, a lot more. To me, the key expression is a desire fulfilled. Now I ask you, when you ponder the words desire fulfilled, in this proverb, do you think it's the desire of a fool or the desire of someone wise? Another question, this desire fulfilled, do you think God is involved? Do you think prayer is involved? There's no way to know. I can't answer your question. But it kind of changes the way you hear the words, don't you think? I mean, this is in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs that begins in the very first chapter, in the seventh verse, in a programmatic way, saying the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. So there is a context, and context really makes a difference, don't you think? Where you are when certain things are said. Was the response to this? What do you think the response to a desire fulfilled is? Let me just give you three possible responses. Response number one. Lucky me. Response number two. Hey, prayer works. Or response number three. Dear Lord, I praise you for this special gift to me. You know, kind of personalizing it. Because I don't think the writers of the Proverbs that are in our Bible had a worldview, a materialistic worldview, where the whole thing is the creation of chance. What your life means only matters if you make it matter. How existential is that? So there's no God in the picture in our world for many, but it's definitely in the picture here. A desire fulfilled is no accident. It's not just chance. A desire fulfilled is not responded to with lucky me or hey, prayer works, try it, like it's some kind of a hocus pocus. No, a desire fulfilled is an act and a recognition that God has granted you your heart's desire. But I have to understand, uh, help you understand that a desire fulfilled is an individual recognition. I may be able to see God at work in your life in ways you don't. But for a desire fulfilled to be anything more than a lucky me or a prayer works, You have to recognize God is at work in your life.
You have to recognize that God is the Lord. He's the creator. Only the wise, this is important, only the wise see a desire fulfilled as an act of God. They fear the Lord. They recognize the Lord in everything. He's the key to understanding. He's the key to wisdom. So we don't, we don't just check in with him, you know. Uh, oh, it's Sunday. Yeah, 8.30 to 9.30. 10.30 to 11.30. No, wisdom is the perspective that God is at work in my life 24-7. I need to be aware of his presence and what he's doing around me. And he's not absent from the things that we pray about, even the things beyond our control. No, it's considered a gift. It doesn't say that here directly, but it does say a desire fulfilled is a what? A tree of life. That tells me it's a great gift, a most precious gift. I mentioned that this verse changed the course of my life. Maybe I should explain that. And I should add that I taught homiletics from preaching, and I've sat under a lot of great preaching or homiletics teachers. I've read many books as a teacher, and... I only talk about myself usually when I'm using myself as an example of something foolish or sinful or something like that because I want you to be able to identify with the fact that we're all in this walk with Jesus Christ, this walk of faith together. No one's perfect, no one's arrived. And basically, I want you to learn what maybe the Lord has taught me this week. But I don't want to make you think that I'm something superior to you. So I tend to pick on my faults and failures or how God has helped me. And I don't mind that at all. But I have to share a little bit about something that I'm really proud of. So this is from backpacking back in 1973. Um I started in Sonora Pass, and I was going to end up in Yosemite Valley. It's about 85 miles. I was doing it by myself. I gave myself provisions for nine days. Just by and by, I got there in five, because Shelly was there. We had just started dating on June 30th, and this is in July of that same year. And every day I would pack and hike miles, and, but when I, you know, broke camp, so to speak, I would pull out a little Gideon's Pocket Testament. You ever seen those? They used to pass them out at school. So I had a free Pocket Testament from the Gideons. It was the New Testament, and then in the back it had the Psalms and Proverbs. And so I was reading Proverbs. And I read this proverb. Can you guess which proverb it was? Proverbs 13, 12. 
Yeah. Yeah. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. It was that verse, while I was backpacking, and as I prayed, that I committed my relationship to Shelley, to the Lord, and I prayed that God would give me the desire of my heart. And then nine months, less than nine months later, we got married. So do you think that uh, as I went on through life, I just thought, I'm lucky, or prayer works, or did I take it somehow more personally that God was at work at my life? How did I view Shelley as the days and months rolled on? I was a hard person to live with. I wasn't always a great guy. I had a bad temper. I had, God was at work in my life. I'm surprised Shelley stuck with me. And even though sometimes I would get angry or selfish, which is really the root of all sin, but ultimately I kept remembering that Shelley is a desire fulfilled from the Lord. That's the way I looked at her. That's the way I viewed her. It makes a difference to me that God granted this desire to view this gift as a tree of life, not just a one and done, but a trust from God to nurture. So get wisdom. Get wisdom. Wisdom isn't just a package of good insights or memes, you know, a meme for every day. <laughs> <laughs> no, wisdom, wisdom is like your relationship with Jesus Christ. You grow, it grows, and you benefit as it grows. Get wisdom. But today I want us to really appreciate that we should water our tree of life. Gratitude is what waters weeds, fertilizes, and enjoys a tree of life. Gratitude. A tree of life is a gift of God. It's a desire fulfilled. When we water our tree of life, it's good for the growth of our heart. It's good for the growth of our heart. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Now, just because the word was the word heart was used in the first line doesn't mean that it shouldn't be thought of or a part of the second line. It's a part of the whole proverb. Yeah, it's good for the heart. How important is your heart? Sometimes we associate the soul when we're talking about a different dimension of our lives. We talk about the soul, you know, tending our soul. How healthy is our soul? The heart's pretty much in the same category at the same level. Longings, hopes, desires affect our hearts. The wise pick choice desires. 
choice longings? What do you set your heart on? Is it wise? Last week, we talked about the fact that we could kind of see what tomorrow looks like based on the choices we make today. The same is true of our desires and longings. What do you set your heart on? Are you setting your heart on foolish things, foolish desires? How much time are you devoting your heart to stupid stuff? We can't imagine that that doesn't have an impact upon us. So when we water our tree of life, when we give thanks for desires fulfilled, it really does water our tree of life. Do you know where gardens were found in the Old Testament or in antiquity? Where there's water. There are no gardens where there is no water. There are no trees where there is no water. Just imagine a tree of life. That really communicates an abundance. A tree of life can't thrive where there's no water, where there's no garden. A tree of life represents the things that are associated with water and gardens. Remember chapter 4, verse 23 in Proverbs? Guard your heart. From it flow the springs of life. Guard your heart. From it flow the springs of life. You see, it's good for the growth of our heart. And it's also good for the growth of our gift. Water your tree, as I said, with gratitude. Because if, if God granted it, we alone set a value on how, how we're going to appreciate and be involved with what God has given us. We do that through faith and gratitude. It's, it's, <laughs> in preparing this week, I pray a lot because... Uh, and, and it's not all on my knees or with my hands folded. Sometimes it's walking around. Sometimes I just sit there and gaze and I'll be praying. There's this constant prayer, Lord, help me to understand what's going on here or to give me your insight or something that would be meaningful not just to me but all of us. And uh, it just so happened that in an unrelated matter, I was looking for like a little journal because I wanted to make some notes, an ongoing journal for somebody in my life that the, then you know I could hand it to him and he could refer to it if he wanted to read some things that I had to say or to speak into his life. So I was rooting around for like a journal, an empty journal. And I found this, this journal. You know how you can buy empty, like sometimes they're just plain notebooks? And I found this notebook and I opened it. I, it was largely empty, but the first uh, 10 pages were all taken up with uh, things written to me and Shelley because that little folder booklet that I had forgot completely about was as old as the year 2000 when I came here, when we left Western Seminary. 
some dear person, well, it was a, her name was Janet, and she was our assistant, and she put together a party for us, and they all signed something in there beforehand, and then they presented it to us. And I'd forgotten about it. And I read the first page that was written by Janet. And she wrote this to Shelley. Shelley, the way John speaks of you and models his love for you and his commitment to your marriage helped me to see what I was looking for and praise God because of what God has brought into my life. Now, I sound like that, you know, I'm not really trying to toot my own horn. I'm trying to help you see something. I treated my my marriage, I treated Shelley as a, as a desire fulfilled. You treat desires fulfilled by God with a certain reverence, real appreciation, and it grows the value of a gift. Do you know that if you go out and buy something for yourself and it's set at a certain value, you pay a certain price for it, but if you treasure it, for 10, 20, 30 years, the value of that can actually increase, sometimes beyond what you even imagine. And so I'm saying to you that here in, in the year 2000, a lady who worked with me wrote something to my wife, Shelley, and we at that time, in the year 2000, well, we had been married 26 years, if I'm doing my math right. So 26 years later, our marriage, my love for my wife has appreciated. And it shows up. It's not a one and done. It's not over. It's not something I deserved. I treasure it. I value it. It grows. It increases. And it, it just comes out. She picked this up, Janet did, because I'm married to Shelley, and she heard me talking about her, and when I talk about her, I'm talking about my desire fulfilled. What I'm trying to say to us is we can grow the grace of God, the fruit bearing trees in our lives by the way we value it. But if we just think we deserve it, if we think we had it coming anyway, if it was some grand accident, what is the thing that we value in life? What is it that you treasure? You might ask yourself this week, what do you treasure? What do you value? Are they little things that God has done for you that have grown bigger? And have they, are they big things that have grown even bigger? Because you know Jesus Christ. Most people are like the boy in Shel Silverstein's The Giving Tree. How many of you have read The Giving Tree? I almost brought it with me. I guess not many. Well, let me tell you what the story is about. It's about a little boy. And we grow up with the little boy. The little boy begins playing beneath a tree. And his whole life is seen in effect, in relation to that tree. And throughout his life, as he grows up, he asks the tree for more and more and more and more and more and more. 
And the tree gives and gives and gives and gives. When you get to the book, the tree is just a stump. And the boy who's now an old man, he's weary. And he needs to rest. So he sits on the stump. Because we're Jesus people, we see Jesus as the gift of all gifts, the tree of life. And because of him, we see everything else as a gift of God's grace. I hope this week we'll water our tree of life with faith and rejoicing and gratitude and thanksgiving. We'll see the brighter side of things. We'll be more hopeful. And we'll treasure the things we already have. And we will become someone who exudes the grace of God. Let me pray for us. I want to remind you after I pray that we're going to sing a closing song and we'll have the opportunity to come forward. Many of us uh, elders and deacons and pastoral staff who are in our service, they'll be down here and you can come and pray if you want to pray about something on your heart. Maybe to intercede or pray on behalf of somebody else that you're concerned about. It might be illness, it might be not physical, but something spiritual, whatever God may be prompting you to do this morning. His Spirit moves. His Spirit moves in our lives. Let's stand. And I'll close us with a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, for the work of your Spirit in our lives. We have this knowledge and it's life-giving to know that you love us, that you forgive us in the precious person and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But may we also with this knowledge experience all that comes with your grace today and throughout this week and the days ahead that we may, may be more and more like Christ. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in his matchless name. Amen. We're going to sing a new song this morning. It sings about the hope that Pastor John just preached about.